What's going on everyone? It's Bales and welcome back to another AFL Fantasy head-to-head video for 2024. This episode two, we're going to talk about a couple of premium defenders. Uh, if you missed episode one, make sure you do check that out. I had a uh, warning on as we chatted through Brody Grundy uh, and Tristan Cherry. Also talk about Max Gorn a little bit in there as well. Because it's going to be quite an interesting uh, uh, sort of topic of discussion in the preseason with those three rucks. Make sure you do go and check that out. But episode two, um, joining me is another special guest. Uh, you would have seen him on the free kick pod throughout the season. Uh, April W season just gone and uh, legend of the fantasy community as well. It is uh, Liam, mate. How you doing? Yeah, I'm pretty good. Thanks, Bales. And thanks for the uh, kind of overwhelmingly positive uh, spiel there. It's uh, always great to be uh, on talking a bit of men's fantasy after... Bit of a break after the end of the women's one. Oh, mate, we're seeing uh, also what you're wearing on top of your head now, mate, the AFLW Fantasy Cap, mate. So finishing oh, 88, nicely done. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm pretty chuffed about that. It's probably the first time I've ever actually, I've actually had a reason to wear it. So I don't know if it'll get on the head that many times, but look, I, I thought I'd take an, an opportunity to enjoy probably one of the few hats I'm ever going to get. Yeah, and also rubbing salt into my wounds because I didn't get one. But uh, oh, I would never hopefully... do such thing, Bales. <laughs> so hopefully we get one uh, in the next season. Because uh, before you know it, that that AFL hobby says will come right round. So, but we are talking about uh, the men's fantasy because that is just around the corner, um, and we're going to talk about a couple of premium defenders. So uh, Jack Sinclair and Tom Stewart, two defenders, I think, going to be in a lot of people's discussions as uh, D1, potentially D2, depending on how sort of maybe it would be, you might have both and maybe Stuart's your D2, but more often it's probably going to be one or the other. So this would be a really good discussion instead of, uh, like yesterday, we thought we'd probably have both rucks. Today, it probably is going to be one or the other you've probably got. So let's get stuck in. So I'll take Jack Sinclair first. Obviously, you will uh, chat through Tom Stewart uh, once we are done, Liam. So um, let's start with Jack Sinclair. So I think the first thing to say is he just he's just a gun. Um, obviously, in terms of player ratings, he's a, a top ten player, um, and he's he's bloody good. He's definitely probably top sort of twenty five to thirty in in my opinion. Just how damaging he is. But the other thing he's got as well in fantasy is just his pure consistency. So having a look at his scores from last year, he didn't go below seventy on one occasion last year. He went above that in every single game and. He's got, we know he's got one of the best ceilings as a defender. So I'm just, uh, as I'm getting his stats up here now, and I probably should have got this up just before we recorded, but yeah, he's just consistent. Um, the only, my only slight concern with him uh, is the fact that Nassau Wanganee Miller played uh, really well last year in his second year and coming into his third year is going to take another step up. Sinclair is obviously the guy that's going to cop the attention defence. So does that maybe lower He's um, ceiling a little bit and maybe lower his floor as well. If he does, well, actually, no, not lower his ceiling, but lower his floor, I should say. Um, yeah, just, yeah, here we go. Got his stats up here. So, like, last year had a lower score of 72, which was against the Crows, and really all St. Kilda players in that game had low score, I think. And Cy Wang Lee Miller had a 53. Um, a lot of their players struggled in that game as well because uh, the Crows did sort of blow them out pretty early. Um, but, yeah, then he had a high score of 141, um, which was huge, and that was against... Um, I believe, yeah, Giants uh, in round 10. So just, again, showing that there's not many players that have got that ceiling defence. Probably Nick Dacos is one, James Sicily, Tom Stewart on his day, who will be the other guy exactly. we about, has also got a ceiling there. But um, so that this is why this is such an interesting discussion between these two players. And the fact that he ended the year with five uh, hundred in his last six, including 121-100-D6 in round 22 and 23. So just his... And I should really be saying after his buy, he only went on two occasions below 100, um, and they were both 80s. Um, so 
who's just incredibly consistent. So, Liam, the thing I'm going to ask you is, with Sinclair, we have seen the last couple of years, actually, because I remember this was the case in 2022 as well. He had a better second half of the year than he did the first half of the year. So the first half of the year, he sort of gets a few tags, sort of not takes it easy, but sort of gets into the swing of things. But it's when the buy hits, he really hits his groove. Do you, do you see Sinclair starting the year off this year, bang from round one? Or do you think it's going to be another thing, again, where it takes maybe a couple of months before he gets into his groove, maybe a couple of tags go by, and then he starts really getting into the swing of things? What are your thoughts on Sinclair in 2024? I reckon it's probably, it's probably, you know, it's it's interesting that he's kind of replicated that slightly quieter first half of the season, bigger back end of the season. But I don't think it's necessarily predictive because if you look at the differences between 21 and 22, two completely different coaching staffs and also two completely different game plans. So you can attribute to a whole range of, of different factors. I think what I find really interesting in discussing Jack Sinclair is I think there's a prevailing kind of attitude amongst the community that he has some value Looking back, and this is very, very simplistic, he averaged basically the same for each of the last two seasons. That perception of value comes from a run he had kind of when we're starting to think about who, what upgrades we should have for buys. And he was a really prime option because he had that week 12 buy when we were really struggling for options in week 13. And that meant that he around that time he had a couple of 70s and 80 now. He also had 141 in there, but that put him at about 10% below, 10 points, sorry, below his average. So I think that there's a perception that his value and he's kind of got that ceiling in it, and yeah, absolutely he does. I'm just not entirely sure that we can bank on it being at that post-buy average, which is was kind of closer to that 109 mark, if I remember correctly. So yeah, it's a fascinating discussion. I think that the continued emergence of Naziah Wanganin Malera, and also a, 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 I truly believe, as well as you, that he is a tag candidate for St Kilda. It's going to be really fascinating to see if he can push up. I think that there's just going to be some risk and some question if he does have that kind of value built in, which is the number one question you need to be asking yourself at this point in the preseason: is is there a narrative where his score improves through the season. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. And, and looking at his numbers here from uh, 2022 as well, a lot of the hundreds that he got last year were sort of your 90s in 2022. So he had a, a few, a, he had an extra uh, score in the 140, which offsets the fact that he got a couple of 96s and 99 there. But last year was able to elevate mainly his, like his, Games where he was good, they weren't 95, they were 110s instead. So he upped his, his um, solid games to 110s, and he also has got that ceiling of your 120 plus. And again, had about the same amount of 70. So he had the one score of the 70 in 2022. I think he had the one score as well in the 70. So he's he's probably good for one or two 70s. So I think people are picking him at D1 for his his safety in his floor, but also the fact that he has got that ceiling as well. So that's, that's why this is, is so interesting because – like you'd probably think, as you said, Sinclair's the number one tag sort of target at St Kilda. He's so damaging, um, but he sort of doesn't really affect him. He still manages to get those kickouts, get to at least 20 touches most games and still have that floor of, of 70. Do you think with the tags potentially here, and as you said, the emergence of uh, Nassau Wangley Miller again in his third year, do you think that that potentially could lower his floor a little bit more this year as sort of teams a lot more try and target Jack Sinclair? 
Yeah, it's actually interestingly enough, it might not be that his floor gets lower. It might be that his ceiling gets a little bit lower yeah. because he's not as substantial an option and, and demands that market share in a, in a side that I expect to become more skilled in that three to five-year player range. Uh, and we'll contrast that to what I expect from Stuart, who is albeit older, but if you think about the list progression at Geelong, I don't think there's someone who's going to take over his role. So... I think we might still see those 70s as a, as a floor score, but yeah. I'm, I think that the emergence of someone like an Isaiah Wangane Malera as probably their preferred kick-in taker. And I just think that the the main, the other thing that I probably haven't mentioned about Jackson Clare is his role is very changeable week to week, yeah. which can cause some level of concern about whether or not he could put up scores week to week. And that's what you're looking to lock in with a top-of-the-line player. This year, it's obviously a little bit different. We'd probably typically be looking at Dacos to be spending more time in the midfield and put him in straight in at D1. That obviously comes with some risk and, you know, some questions this year given his fixture in the first six weeks and obviously the buy. So I think it's reasonable to expect that Sinclair is part of that discussion. I'm just not entirely sure that he's got... I'd say if you're starting him at, at that 102 price point, I'd probably want to be seeing 107 for a defender, yeah. 106. Now, I haven't got – we had the spreadsheet last year. But I haven't exactly got it in front of me at the moment. But there's some reasonable questions to ask, and there are just enough that I'm now – I prefer Tom Stewart because I just think there's a couple of extra reasons why I'm happy to pick him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we'll obviously uh, deep dive into Stewart in a set. But, yeah, like as you said, priced at 102 – 922k, it's expensive. Um, he's the third highest price defender um, behind yep. Daycost and uh, Sicily. So obviously you're paying a premium for him and you sort of, you, you pretty much know what you're getting, but obviously there's a couple of tiny sort of question marks. And then, yeah, 24% on at the moment. I think that's probably quite high, to be honest with you. Um, Sinclair was nowhere near that highly owned last preseason um, after having a breakout uh, year last year. Um, and when you look at sort of the most highly owned defenders, when you look at Dacos is clearing above, uh, obviously we'll talk about Dacos in, in another episode, but he's over 55% as time recording. You obviously got a couple of Valley players in Dan Curtin, Zach Williams, uh, Toby Pink. Then you've got Kitty Coleman there, Hayden Young, and then Jack Sinclair's there. So he's sort of the second um, highest, uh, second most popular premium option. And then you've got Sicily just behind. So it will be very interesting to see um, how that looks uh, uh, closer to uh, the game opening. But we will move on to uh, Tom Stewart. So uh, more midfield time, apparently, but we'll get into that. So why should um, Tom Stewart be picked, um, Liam, in 2024 by coaches? It's it's a story as old as time itself. And by time itself, I mean each of probably the last four or five seasons of men's fantasy. Tom Stewart's a player to pick to start the year because he's got he's got that potential He's somehow managed again to find a, a way to not average 100, which I probably think we all expect him to have done at this point. So he's going to come in priced at 96.3. So that's an 869K for, for men's fantasy. That what's I find what I find really interesting is that all you've got to do is you've got to take out that 12 from round one. That 96.3 becomes 100.3 very quickly. And I think that's a more accurate reflection of what he did last year. Much like Jack Sinclair. He's got those floor scores in the 70s. He finds an, an he has an incredible ability in last quarters when the game's out of hand to just sit there and accumulate substantially. And he really has that kind of 40 to 45-point quarter from a defender to save a bad score. And he has, did that at least a couple of times. And I also think that he's got 
the super high ceiling scores. We know he's got that 120, 130, but he also put in that 169 in 2022, playing what I believe to be a very similar role this year. So why do I think you pick him? I think one, I really like his consistency and he's got a built-in discount, that 4% discount. So it's effectively like he's missed one game, essentially. So I think he's got that priced in already. I think that gives me some degree of concern, some degree of concerns removed. I think he's a hundred player minimum. Yeah. Why else yeah, do I, I th- reckon he's? Yeah, go ahead, mate. Oh no, 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 no. Sorry, I thought I thought you were uh, going to sort of uh, sort of finish, but you know, you keep going ahead. My bad. No, no, no. So I just think that that's probably the the one thing that I, I I'm I'm pretty happy to stand behind as being a pretty easy reason to start him. It's a simple narrative, and it's a very simple reason that he ticks the box of can you see him averaging more than what he's priced at this year? Why else do I like him? I think number one that. I believe that Isaac Smith leaving frees up an elder player, or sorry, frees up the ball that would have previously have gone to an elder accumulator in Geelong side, which are full of them. But he's the kind of player, Isaac Smith covered ground immensely, and we saw that he's a, he still had the ability to score amazingly even at the end of his career. I think that kind of player frees up a certain amount of points that as much as uh, he was a winger and a half forward, I believe that Stewart's the kind of player that will be given that ball when transitioning or when just moving out of defence or just trying to chip it around. So I think that's another reason. I also believe that Isaac Smith leaving, who took in, I think it was like 10 or 11% of Geelong's kick-ins last year, is a great reason for it. I also don't know if Zach Tui is an every-game player this season. We already saw that he had some manage and possibly some, you know, some soft drops uh, in 2023, and he was taking 20% of kick-ins. I, again, think that Tom Stewart is someone that will benefit from that given his revered status, uh, at least externally. He only had 38% of kick-ins, which is probably a tier below what you would expect of those, you know, dominant kick-in takers, your Ryans and your Mays. So I think that's another reason I think there's some upside in his kick-ins. And then finally, you mentioned it off the top, this midfield CBA role. I'm not picking him for it, let's put it that yeah. way. But it's almost like a bonus. Three games last year where he had CBAs. If you you know set the arbitrary threshold at twenty five percent, which is, I would say, a more accurate reflection of someone who's given a midfield role versus just throwing the chips around because you're bored or game's over. He had scores of one hundred and eleven and one hundred and sixteen. I think that's great, and I think that in a side that's really going to be lacking some. I'm not saying maybe lacking some uh, some maturity in that midfield. They still have Cam Guthrie. But I don't know necessarily if Cam Guthrie's body can hand up to being an every-game player, or at least there's some reason to believe that's not the case. I think Tom Stewart might get thrown at the midfield for a stopping role, and he saw that he played up to 50% of CBAs in a game against Brisbane last season, trying to play a stopping role in that midfield, and that's when he did score 116. So I'm not predicting that it'll be an every-game thing, but I do like the idea that if for whatever reason there's a need to free him up, or there's a player that needs to be stopped at a game that's going to spend a lot of time in the middle, there's an additional reason to believe that he has avenue to scoring. And in a in a world where we can't predict exactly what's going to happen, we're just trying to look at reasons to believe that something is more likely to. I think that's another reason he's more likely to score above what he's priced at at 96. Yeah, yeah, great. Um, and I've just, as you said, on the kicking numbers, I was just trying to get them up and then you t- discussed it, which was good. Uh, just getting them up here, as you said, like Zach Tui. 
having like uh, a like he had four, three, four, one, two, and then had a bit of a gap, and then he had plenty of kick-ins. I think that Geelong always better served like Stewart doing a like playing on small kick into the pocket, and then Tui getting that extra thirty meters, and then kicking longer. I think that'd be better. And then as you said, Isaac Smith did have his fair share of uh, kick-ins as well, so that's obviously freed up, which is. A positive for me, as you said, the, the injured game at the start of the year also opens that up as well. And the other thing is, was we didn't actually see last year any of those 150-plus games from Stuart like he had the year prior. I think, he had a, I think he had a couple over 140, whereas last year had a high score of one – was it 126? Yeah, 126 is high – no, 133, sorry, against St. Kilda and yeah. through his high score. So had a couple 120s, but didn't really have as many of those uh, big games. So that you could also – factor in that that could be a little bit of extra value if he ends up going. So I think Geelong this year will struggle a bit more than what they did last year. Obviously, they're sort of going to start entering that if they haven't already, that rebuilding phase. Um, the ball could be chipped around a bit more back there, which that could even open up even more points um, for him. How do you see with Tom Stewart in terms of maybe defensive attention? Do you think that he's still a guy that people are going to mark down and say we've got to stop him? Or do you think maybe because Geelong aren't at the top of the tree like they were a couple of years ago, um, maybe the sort of tag is sort of eased off a little bit and not really done. I don't think it was done as much anyway, but uh, how do you see that playing out? I see it as a, a small risk, but albeit a risk that I can't discount wholeheartedly. I don't know if it's a, I don't know if there are many players where you can guarantee and say this player is too much of a tag risk to pick because quite often if they're that level of player that they're a tag risk all the time, that probably means that they're pretty damaging and they accumulate a lot in good areas and that, often correlates with decent fantasy scoring at least. So, yeah, yep, absolutely, it's a possibility. It might mean that in some matchups he's not, say, for example, a VC option because I see him as that kind of VC option when, say, for example, in round one he has St Kilda, a team that allowed a mountain of points to be scored for by them and against them. I think that's a perfect kind of VC shout and Stuart has that ceiling, that 120, 130 that we'd want to see from a VC player. So, yeah, I don't I agree. There's a small flag. He's the kind of player that you do put some attention into. We saw a lot of it into Sicily last season as well. I just don't know if it's not enough not to pick him. Yeah, yeah, and I agree as well. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be too worried about uh, sort of the tag drop anyway. And we saw last year they like Hawthorne did it um, against Geelong, and it was more of a team tag. And I think that might be what teams do to combat Stewart if there's any attention. It'd be a team tag rather than just one player sit down and lock on Stewart. It'd be a sort of system. Base thing, and I've got your scores up here as well. So, yeah, around seven in 2020, we had 157 against Frio, um, with uh, 40 disposals. Um, and then he's got 169 against the Crows with 40 touches as well. So, he obviously, shown uh, he's got that ceiling, particularly at GMHBA Stadium as well. So, uh, we're very, very interesting to see how him and Sinclair go. But time has come to pick uh, between the two players, Liam. So, if you're picking between Tom Stewart and Jack Sinclair, who are you picking in 2024? Look, I don't know if it'll come as much of a surprise, but I am all aboard Tom Stewart. He's currently sitting in my team at D1. I'm avoiding going Dacos because of that buy and his fixture in the first six weeks, and I'm running with the Cat as my first pick defender. Yep, well, snap for everything you just said then. Uh, he's exactly me as well. He's currently sitting as my D1, which a few people saw uh, did have Sheasel um, in my initial team re uh, review, but... A little bit cooler on uh, she's the last few days, uh, last couple of week or so. So, um, yeah, Stuart is in there for me at D1 at the moment. And I think he's pretty safe. Like, if, if you're looking, we're looking for value and all that. Well, most of us try and look for value in pretty much every player we pick, if not all of them. 
And I think, as you mentioned before, I think Stuart has already got that built-in value. And then I think on top of that, the fact he didn't have any of those ceiling scores last year, that potentially could even raise um, him and he could even go 101, 102, 103, so, um, which we have seen. So it will be very, very interesting. Have you got uh, – so you don't have Sinclair on your side, just Stuart at the moment? Just Stuart at the moment. Sinclair is someone that I had done my research on already because he presents the kind of scoring profile that I like. Pretty similar to Stuart, to be honest, that relatively high floor, the ability to have a ceiling, an important player. It's just a couple of small changes and the fact that there's just a bit of a discount down to Stuart that, that pushes him above for me. Yeah, yeah, I agree as well. Um, I've, I currently have got... Uh... His teammate, um, Sai Wangani Miller, uh, as my D2 at the moment, I just think, yeah, the value there's a little bit better and um, potential upside as well. And that 100K could come in uh, useful as well. But I'm sure that uh, us two and pretty much a lot of people have Sinclair in their teams at some point in 2024. But that is, uh, I think that's pretty much done for episode two. So thank you guys for tuning into episode two. If you did enjoy it, make sure you leave a like uh, on the video and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Let us know in the comments below as well uh, if you're picking um, Jack Sinclair or Tom Stewart or both or neither. Um, let us know what you're doing and, and sort of your reasoning behind that. Any questions as well. And then also leave your comments on the uh, other video, uh, Chair and Granny, which I didn't actually say during the video to leave your comments. But, uh, and make sure you check that episode out as well. Liam, mate, thank you very much for uh, jumping on again. Obviously, it came last year, the first episode last year. So it's good and good to get you on the second episode. Uh, what can people be uh, expecting from uh, you uh, during the men's season 24 and then as we gear up for the AFLW season with free kick. Look, you can uh, you can expect me probably around the place on Twitter, on social media, trying to get a half-decent side together, maybe jumping on a few podcasts here or there or writing a few posts about players that I like and don't like. And then by the time it gets to April, May, it'll be AFLW pre-season. So you'll probably see a bit of uh, ramped up content from uh, from me from then. Yeah, perfect, mate. And then you can uh, also your Twitter handle, mate. Where can the people find you? Because I know your Twitter name did change uh, last season as well. Yes, it did. So you can find me on Twitter at Liam AFLW Fantasy, and you can find the Free Kick Pod at Free Kick W Pod. Yeah, make sure you guys go and follow that. Uh, great AFLW Fantasy content. Uh, that was part of my uh, weekly routine. Was listening to the Free Kick every week uh, as we went through AFLW season, um, and wish that I could have top hundred happen. Oh, well, hopefully next, always next hopefully year, Bales, next always next yeah. year, bigger and better. Well, this year. So, yeah, um, oh, yeah, this year. Sorry, next season. Yeah. I keep thinking it's 2023 as well. So, um, But, yeah, the next episode uh, will be with another um, fantastic guest spin on the um, channel multiple times. We'll be talking about uh, a certain duo, uh, midfield premium duo from a team. So uh, looking forward to that discussion. So until next time, guys, uh, social media links in the description below. Make sure you go and follow those. And we'll catch you guys in the next episode. So we're out. Cheers. Cheers.